It's midnight. What are you kids still doing up? But, Dad, why are you still up? A decanter of banter. Good morning. Good morning to every boy and girl around the world. Yes, the World Cup has got me in a spirit of wishing goodwill upon not just white Australians, but everyone. How are you? Let's get to the pleasantries. How are you going, guys? Good? And me? Oh, well, me. I'm mentally, spiritually, culturally, socioeconomically, I'm doing quite well. Physically is a whole other story. Not very good, I must be honest. You know when people tell you that something is too good to be true? You know, you're chatting to a Nigerian prince, you know, who's half your age. You're chatting to them online, you know, they're sexy, they look just like Usher. All you have to do is is pay for his visa and his flights to Australia and he's going to marry you. Uh, and then it turns out to be not quite the case. Um, or maybe you've found a perfectly good cinnamon donut under your train seat. You go, this is too good to be true. Um, and it often isn't. And this was certainly the case on Saturday night. The Socceroos playing France in the World Cup, the opening match. It's 8pm. It's a Saturday night. The banners are all around Fortitude Valley. Drinks until 5am, tonight only. Um, Challenge accepted. Um, Seems too good to be true. And it was. Where was I watching the Socceroos' big game against France? Well, I was watching it on my phone. Thank you, Optus. I was able to watch the game on my phone while getting an ultrasound on my swollen left testicle in St. Andrew's Private Hospital in Spring Hill. Um, I'll explain everything. I'll go right back to the beginning. Often the best place to begin a story is the beginning, unless you're watching that great film, Memento. Um, Now, we were playing Bethania Rams in the... Uh, uh, the soccer that that weekend, and um, uh, we're at Kangaroo Point. Uh, the, the, you know, this whole thing should never have happened. I don't know why Bethania Rams were even in. You know, it's called the Brisbane uh, Men's Football League. Um, some would hotly debate, and I dare say would stand up in a court of law, that Bethania is really not in Brisbane. Um, it's further away than Logan. I believe it's actually in Logan. Um, anyway, it's none of our business. And well, there was this lady in a deck chair she was obviously the mother of one of the uh the 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 boys who was playing and she's in a deck chair with her oakley sunglasses and she's swearing her head off about about everything swearing at the the players and saying the s word the f word you know stuff you don't want to be hearing on a nice pleasant saturday afternoon and i've actually seen less crazy people get exorcisms um much less crazy people go go straight in for an exorcism at the local church um Anyway, so I'm playing, and Bethania Rams are a very aptly named team. You see, this man falls over, and he decides to fall onto me, and not head first, but elbow first. And what he's done, dear listeners, is he's elbowed me in the groin. Um, and it's not not my balls, not my penis. This is actually very important for later on in the story. Very important. So repeat after me. Not my balls, not my penis. Thank you. Um... And I'm rolling on the ground, wincing in pain. Uh, and uh, he, he, this fellow thinks he's done nothing wrong. He's pleading to the, the referee, saying, What for, sir? What for, sir? And this exorcist lady on, on her deck chair is going, Get up, you soft! C-word. And um, 
And basically, I'm I'm there. I, I eventually crawl off the field. I, I put some ice on on the wound. You know, it's not a, it's not a knock. As I said, very important to the story. It's not a knock to the balls. It's it's something different. Something is dreadfully wrong, and I know it. And I've, I've got the ice there, and eventually get the courage to ride my bike home afterwards. And with every bump, with every bump along the ride home, I'm going, oh, ah, oh. You know, if there was a blind person walking down Ann Street that day when I rode my bike past, that blind person would have thought that the Christ, there are two men having sex on a bicycle. That's what it would have sounded like. Anyway, so I get home, right, and um, I've got to, I've got to have a, a quick turnaround. I've got to eat some pasta. I cook a lovely bowl of pesto pasta. I read a book. You know, I'm a big fan of contrasts. You know, I like, I love the quiet before the storm. I, I love reading a book, eating some pesto pasta, putting on a record before before I know what it's going to be a very big night out. Um, and um, you know, I love the contrast. And Brisbane is a city of contrast. Uh, Suncorp Stadium, that great big steel monolith, emerging amongst those uh, timber red roof uh, cottages of Petrie Terrace. I mean, I love this. Um, I've got to be careful, otherwise I get an erection live on air just thinking about this. Um, but anyway, so I'm, I am there and I decide I need to have a shower. This is a quick turnaround. I need to get to the pig and whistle, see the lads, watch the game. Um, and we'll take it from there. So I take off my pants. I then take off my underpants. And what I see um, down below is what can only be described as, as like elephantitis in my left testicle. This thing is the size of... Um, well, it's the size of like a pear, but not like a normal size pear. Say someone gave you a pear and you said, Christ, that's a big pear. That's the size of my left nut on this particular occasion. A guava, perhaps, would probably be a better de uh, uh, description. It was a guava-sized testicle. And, um, uh, you know, anyone for a guava? Uh, next time you have a guava or a large pear, you'll be thinking of my left testicle. So thank me later. Um, so I do what any normal person would do. And I call mum. And um, she's down in Sydney, and I say, look, mum, I've just uh, taken off my underpants after a knock to the groin at soccer, and I have what appears to be elephantitis in my left testicle. I said it a lot more uh, in a more panicked tone than that. And I said, well, what do I do? And she said, well, go to hospital. And I've never been to hospital before, so in a way it was a little bit exciting. And from my veranda in Spring Hill, I can actually see the, the big lit-up sign for St Andrews. So I hobble over, takes me about... You know, when I was able-bodied, it'd be about a five-minute walk. Now it's about 20. Um, in a lot of pain, I, 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 uh, I limp over to St. Andrews and I, and I go straight up to the lady at the desk and I say, look, I was elbowed in the groin at soccer. I got home. It was sore, but I wasn't sore in my balls. I took off my pants. And all, all, I, all I can say is that I think I have elephantitis in my left testicle. Uh, the lady says, uh, you know, um, look, I'm just an admin person. Um, just put your name and address here. And, of course, most importantly, it being a private hospital, is it, and just put your credit card details here, please. And um, basically, eventually the nurse comes out, and I say, and she's like, you know, what's the problem? I say, you know, the, the large pear thing, and it's about the size of a guava. And she says, let's have a look. And she says, uh, well, I'll need to, to take a photo just for a second opinion. Just for a second opinion, eh? Um, you know what? I'm actually expecting maybe in a couple days' time to get a photo uh, messaged from, from maybe a friend in Perth or maybe, in, you know, over in you know Germany or something saying, oh, have you seen this pic of this giant swollen testicle? And going, oh, wow, 
sucks, sucks to be that person. But look, um, so I swear, and the nurse had to, the nurse had to come in quite a lot, maybe about hourly, just to check on how the swelling was going. Because they said the swelling, you know, it would be concerning if the swelling never stopped. I swear, the the same nurse uh, never came more than once. Um, it's like they just kept knocking off, and a new nurse was starting. And, you know, in comes you know Sandy, and she's like, "Hi, I'm I'm your nurse Sandy. Just going to have a look at your, your that testicle of yours." And we go, "Oh, looking, no touching, Sandy." But they, you know, they must have come in, right? Big nurses, and they they look at their to-do sheet, and and, they, and they'll just see, "Oh, check on testicles of a bloke who hasn't showered after playing soccer." Um, you know, and and you know, I I I really think. Do, do nurses know what they're in for when they when they start studying this degree, or do, are they just really naive? Um, because if, if you actually studied nursing and you knew from the outset that this would primarily entail, you know, checking on swollen testicles and you know helping old people in nursing homes to do number twos in the toilet, you know, who in their right mind would really do this degree other than sick, twisted individuals? So I'm only assuming at least half of nurses in this country are just sick, twisted sickos. Anyway. Um, uh, anyway, so look, um, and, uh, and and one of the nurses said something quite curious. Actually, she she came in to you know to check on my my testicle, and she said, "Look, I know you would probably prefer maybe maybe a man nurse to have a look, but um, it's just me at the moment. I'll just have to have a look." And I thought, "Prefer prefer a man, prefer a man to have a look and touch my left testicle." Um, that's some judgment call, and I knew I was watching the soccer on my phone instead of the rugby. But that's some judgment call. And um, eventually I said, look, uh, you're going to go upstairs for an ultrasound. And I thought, well, all right. And, and so I got up and I started walking out towards where we were going. And I hadn't, I, you know, it was my first time in hospital. I didn't know how all this worked. I hadn't tied up my gown at the back. And so all I hear is like two or three nurses going, oh, bum, 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 bum. And uh, they had to tie up my, um, my gown. They actually put me on a wheelchair. And, and and there I was, you know, watching the soccer, the Socceroos versus France, on my on my phone, getting pushed around in a wheelchair, and um, it was quite relaxing in the end, really. And I got upstairs for an ultrasound with a bloke, um, and uh, it, was, it was quite interesting, really, because my sister's pregnant at the moment, um, and a very proud uncle to be, and I really did not expect to be, you know in the position I am right now, which is, you know, comparing our ultrasound experiences. Um, I really thought that was going to be something I'd have to take her word for. But, um, you know, I, I can't wait to, to show her my scans and, and swap them up. Anyway, so he, he's there with the ultrasound and, he, and he's just saying, look, I just have to find the testicle first. And I'm going, mate, trust me, it's in there somewhere. And, and I, I, I look him up and down, he, he's got chinos on, he's got his going out shirt on and he's got RM Williams on. And and I thought, you know, I, I, I asked him, you were probably planning on, on watching the soccer, you know, I got it on my phone here. And he says, the rugby actually. And and I, and I realised he was probably planning to catch up with mates, watch the, the Rugby World Cup. I mean, at the end of the day, if you work in ultrasound and you're on call, I mean, what, what sort of emergency ultrasound do you ever have to do? I mean, it's like, a, you know, to... Like a pregnant lady showing up going, it's emergency doc, you know, I need to find out the gender of my baby tonight. Um, you know, so I, I assume, I reckon it would have been safe for him to have a couple of beers, and then he would be like, hang on, I've got to go to work. Um, anyway, look, so, and I actually I actually got sent the invoice for this ultrasound, um, 
uh, it's just yesterday actually, and it's an ultrasound scrotum. And the price, I must tell you all, the price of this ultrasound was more painful than the injury. This being a private hospital, of course. Anyway, eventually the doctors, they tell me, they give me the, the diagnosis. They sit me down, they say, Harry, Mr. Lee, um, South East Queensland's most controversial 12 till 2 a.m. radio host. This is the diagnosis. Diagnosis: You have received the blunt force of a Bethanian elbow to your groin. This blunt force has severed a blood vessel in your groin and caused your left testicle to fill with blood until the the, the, the blood vessel decided, well, maybe we'll stop doing that. And um, and so basically. I had to spend the night there and I had to monitor the swelling on my left nut. And um, I must tell you, I have a newfound sympathy for people who spend a lot of time in hospitals. Um, it, there, there is the food, you know, the dry omelettes I wasn't necessarily a fan of. And it was quite boring. It was really quite boring. And I'm not saying I didn't have sympathy for, for these people before me. It's not like I was going around telling people with, you know, pancreatitis sufferers, going around telling them, oh, you deserved it. Karma? No. Look, I always had a little bit of sympathy, but I didn't. It was the first time I really stepped into their, their um, their gowns, so to speak. But um, sure enough, I, I awoke with what was predicted by the doctor to be um, a giant purple ball. My my left nut now resembled a bit of an eggplant, really. And um, the doctor comes in and he says, "I've got some man doctor now," and and he says, "I'm just gonna have to find that testicle." And he's squeezing around trying to find my 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 actual testicle in the in the in, in there and this was the most painful part of the whole ordeal I had a giant swollen bruised left nut and he's squeezing around trying to find the nut and I'm there going no 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 trust me mate it's in there all three are there and he told me eventually the blood will migrate up from from the testicle like there's no surgery that needs to happen here are some painkillers here is some endone. All you have to do is just wait for that blood to just migrate up your body. You might get some bruising on your, your upper torso. And I think there's really a lesson in that for all of us. Time heals all wounds. Time heals all wounds. And as I left, he said, and remember, no physical exercise. And I said, sure, doc. And I said, does that, does that include lawn bowls? I mean, it's, it's Sunday. Um, it's my mate Gus's 24th birthday. We're going to Merthyr Bowls Club. Does that, does physical exercise include bowls club? And he laughed and he said, absolutely not. And um, so I limped, I limped out into the fresh morning. And I thought, hang on, um, how, how long no physical exercise for? He didn't say, he just said no, no physical exercise. It's forever, forever. Um, but, uh, and, and, and as I went to pick up the, the, the painkillers from the pharmacy, I got my endone and, the, and I said, can I drink on this? You know, it's my mate Gus's 24th birthday. We're going to Merthyr Bowls Club. And he said, look, you can drink on endone, but you'll just pass out after one beer. And I said, all right, well, I won't um, take the endone then. I guess drinking is a, is a painkiller unto itself. And he said, sure, all right, whatever. Um, go for gold. And so uh, we, we went out drinking at, at Merthyr Bowls Club and um, I just sort of described my injury to everyone like, as soon as I got there, really. I'd be like this radio show, I'd go straight into it. And um, and, uh, and eventually uh, I had, I, you know, I passed on my phone, people saw the photo. And then even the girls, even the girls wanted to see the photo of my swollen purple left nut. And there were about, you know, maybe 10 or so girls there. And that's about 10 less girls in Brisbane I can sleep with now. Um, and then, um, 
I was I was showing my mate Bryce, and they, we went to the urinal, and I was like, have a look at this, mate. And my mate Bryce was like, whoa. And then eventually this other guy came into the urinal, he's burst in all of a sudden, and he saw everything too. And I said, oh, oh. And he said, oh my God. Oh my God. I had that too. And he whips out his phone, and he shows me a picture of his nut. Um, whether it was right or left escapes me, I can't exactly recall. But, um... He fell off a bicycle. He was mountain biking or something. And, and the exact same thing happened to him. First blood vessel, left testicles uh, filled with blood. And um, and I was like, well, mine's an eggplant. And he said, well, mine was a rock melon. And there was a bit of, you know, mine's bigger than yours sort of thing going on. And But what were the chances of that? What were the chances of that? Anyway, um, that, that, that concludes today's story. It's time uh, for an interview. It's an interview time. We're going to do an interview with a band, a local band. Uh, the band is called Shad Rock. Um, need I say more? Absolutely not. Let's just go straight into it. Um, it's, this is a big one, guys. About 20 minutes long. You know, if you hate interviews, if you hate the band Shag Rock, then you're going to absolutely hate this really long interview with Shag Rock. Good evening. No introduction needed here, but I'll do one anyway. It's Jacob, the guitarist from Shag Rock. G'day, g'day. How you going? Mate, like, pretty bloody good. So, there's a fair bit happening at the moment, so, pretty stoked. It's go, go, go here in Brizzy, mate. Go, go, go. It is, it is a bit. It's how you want it. It's, it's truly an honour to have you on the show, mate. Oh, mate, pleasure's all mine. Oh, be careful, mate. It's going to sound like two blokes giving each other wristies if you carry on like this. <laughs> um, <laughs> now, very exciting time for the band Shag Rock. The, the, your latest single has uh, has dropped. It has, yeah. Just, um, so it's out on all platforms tomorrow. Yeah, when we wake up tomorrow. Hopefully, but listen to it with your morning coffee yes and and now it's my understanding that you debuted the single on triple j would you like to explain your decision and why you hate local community radio well i'll actually have you know that triple uh you guys technically premiered it before triple j bugging me backwards the plot thickens we, we were on the monday's show oh yes and uh with Claire and she was, we, we weren't sure we were like oh should we play or should we play and we are like yep let's just do it right and ever since there's been a long running lawsuit with, with Triple J <laughs> yeah. they're going to bankrupt <laughs> you guys you know that yeah, <laughs> yeah. oh well we'll sort that out but as the French say with every single release there is a tour so when are you playing Brizzy yeah so we've got so it's uh, the whole tour starts on Friday we're playing at Byron at the Beach Hotel and then we're heading to heading to Brizzy, and we've got an under-18 show at Berg Street, which is sold out. But after that, we're heading straight to Black Bear Lodge, so that's Saturday night. And um, so, plenty of tickets still available on the hot. Yes, so I want to snatch them up. Yes, feel free. You'll be happy to hear I've never snuck into an under-18s gig. What goes on at these things? Oh, they are they are so fun. They're quite hilarious, but it's just. Um, they all know, like, every lyric to every song, and you're like, why? Some of the songs that are just... We don't, we're like, I don't really like that song, but these guys know, like, every single word to it. You're like, wow. But it's just, it's just an ego boost. It's great fun. Is it you're just standing up there just saying, get a life, guys? It's just you're swamped after with photos. So it makes you feel, feel like a bit of a bit cooler than you actually are. <laughs> oh, don't say that, mate. You're in a band. 
I actually went to oh, an, yeah. an I went to an alcohol free gig. Um, for twin folds at Berwick Street, and there were these fellows in front of me. God bless their cotton socks, but they snuck in one of those. You know those ones that you get behind the counter at um, the bottle and they're like the one. There's like one shot of vodka. It's like a mini. It's like a mini bottle that you like, put in your Lego set yeah. or something. And they were passing yeah. that round. <laughs> Jeez, loose cannons. So you guys at uni as well? Yeah. So it was quite hectic because just before exams. Um, we had that tour with the Rubens. Yes. Um, so that was for their regional tour of Queensland. So we had eight shows with them and it was full on because we had to, we were in the van, in this rental van driving up the coast and just like whoever wasn't driving, we were just studying in the back. Oh. Um, <laughs> now that's rock and roll. Like, yeah, it was so un-rock and roll, but you know, we had to do it. And then it was so hectic because we, we got to Cairns after the first four shows um, the next morning, we flew straight back to Brizzy and straight to the recording studio. And we were there for a few days and finished double life. And then straight back on tour with the Rubens and then straight to exams. <laughs> and then here we are. That is, that is exactly what I imagine in the back of any um, rock and roll <laughs> tour bus. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we are some cool dudes. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> now... That leads me to my next question, though, because do you feel in this uh, day and age when, you know, recording music has become rather a uh, more streamlined process and um, mm. where, where essentially a, a being in a band can be, you know, a second job or, you know, one of two jobs in the sense that it's my understanding that the guitarist from the band Bad Dreams is actually a doctor and after one gig with the DMAs, well, um, he had to sneak off because he was on call. And in the same oh sense God. that Bono of you too, um, well his main job was exploiting starving African people to boost his public profile so you can juggle these things <laughs> yeah that's true, that's true, well if you do it well you can juggle those things, I don't know how well we do it, yes. I'll have to wait and see how the, the marks come back and then I'll get back to you on how well we're juggling <laughs> both uni and the band but um, now, let's talk about the band name, um, Shag Rock. You do understand mm. in the UK, um, the first word's probably bleeped out whenever you play on the radio. Why? Really? Shag. You know what that means? Yeah, oh, I, I'm, a, I'm aware. Means have, it means have sex. You can't say that, mate. You can't say that. Like, the, the really anticlimactic answer to that is it's, Shag is also a bird, so it's like, it's just named after this rock off North Stratty. Um... So it's just, it's literally just Shag Rock. It's just a, a location. There's oh. no, like, cool story behind it. Oh, you can find it on, on Google Maps. I'd say so. Yeah, it's just this rock that you, you see when you're still on the beach on Stratty, and you just look out, and there it is. So I reckon your final gig, when you're 50 years old, your knees <laughs> are giving in, and you've got to give this thing up altogether, the final gig has to be on Shag Rock. Yeah, I think when we're 50 years old still playing, we'll just be Belting 8K fan covers. But we could do that also <laughs> on Shagrop. I don't know how many originals will still be going at that stage. I'll just feel Shannon Null. You'll just finish a stirring rendition of Lift by Shannon Null and the crowd just <laughs> keep going, Play Lift! Play Lift! <laughs> All right. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Only oh, five times. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of, you know, shag, shagging, you know, have you been played on UK radio? Have you, have you got over there? Not to my knowledge, but um, on Spotify you can check the locations, the top locations listening to your music. So number, so number one's Brizzy, 
and number uh-huh. two is Auckland, and number five is London. So oh, that yes. was pretty interesting. We were like, like, how did that make it there? That is but, very interesting because I've actually heard that to get radio play in the UK, you you actually have to sleep with Chris Martin. He's like the Harvey Weinstein of the British music industry. Mm, good to know. Good to know. I think you have to start looking at your bandmates a little bit differently from now on. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe <that> <laughs> um, now I was just, I was in post office square today eating my lunch, and a fellow came up to me with a backpack on, and he was carrying uh, some books, and and he he sort of gestured towards me holding a book, and he said, "Do you want one?" And I, and and I said, "What?" And he said, "My friend wrote a book. Do you want one?" And I, and I said, oh, no, I'll be right, thanks, mate. And um, I uh, got me thinking, I mean, say that was a man, a friend of yours, handing out your CDs. Is that a good friend? Gee, that is a really, that is a good bloke thing to do. Wow. I don't know, like, would, if you're just getting rejected all the time, is that doing good? I don't know. Give, giving, out, giving out something for free that, you know, you, maybe your friends put a lot of hard oh, work oh, into. Oh, good point. Yeah, yeah, it's also a very good point. There's a bit of a moral dilemma. If you want the exposure or, or if you, you're in it for the, for the dosh. I suppose the question that remains unanswered is, do you think he just wrote the book and was saying it was his friends? Oh, also, oh, conspiracy theory. Don't know. I just want you to know, Jacob, that I'd do that for you. Thank you, yeah, it means a lot. Yes, I would steal some of your CDs from the gig table <laughs> and give them out for free in Post Office Square. <laughs> ah, well, see, I think if you're selling them and keeping the money, that's probably worse, right? You know, I wouldn't be too mad. Yeah. Um, sorry, sorry, Jacob, the cleaners have just come in. Look, no, sorry, no, the biscuits are for staff only. <laughs> staff only. I don't care if you've eaten half it. Put the arrow root back. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry, Jacob. Um, that is more than okay. Uh, speaking of stolen things, um, oh. yes, do you want to tell us the story? Oh, that is that is triggered. Um, yeah, well, basically, we got every last piece of our equipment uh, stolen out of our van. So it was parked, and you know, got broken into, and everything got stolen, just just like that. So it was, we rocked up the next day because we had to. We had our last gig with the Rubens. And we were like, it's empty, there's nothing in there. But luckily, they were they were legends and let us use their gear. Yeah. But then we were just like, okay, well, we've got a tour coming up and nothing. <laughs> and it was kind of rough because Alex in particular, the lead singer, his guitar he made um, in grade 12 as a high school assignment. Oh, so my it was very days. sentimental. Just one of those sad things like, ah, oh, gee, that sucks. <laughs> yes. Yeah, but you know what they say: all your gear is stolen, another door opens. As as I understand it, the the band, the Velvet Underground, when they were about to record their third album, which became their self-titled album, all their gear was lost after a flight. It was just lost, like with all the luggage, and really? so they had to buy new gear. And you'll notice their third album is a d- distinctly different sound from their first two. It's lo-fi, it's it's jangly, and it's become arguably their best album well that is actually a nice thing to know yeah yes um, reassuring because we got all our new gear um, and it's sounding different which is good it's kind of like just a new tangent or could be yeah but it'd be, it'd be, it'd be a, a sad thing if you if you strayed from I mean, your, your current sound is simply delightful it's sun soaked <laughs> um, it's very coastal um, 
it, I mean, people throw the words around like it was feel good. Um, yeah. Are well, you happy to wear that? Yeah, we, that is kind of the goal. Of a lot of it is quite feel good, just sort of light-hearted, but you know, get a bit of feels going, and just we kind of just focus on big, big choruses and stuff. But yeah, quite a chilled, laid-back sort of basis to them, I guess. Yeah. And, but I also found there was there was a certain emotional complexity to some of your music as well, in the sense yep. that there, there was some stuff about heartbreaking stuff, and overtly, it's it's something that could easily be on in the background of some you know boozy beach house you know swingers party. But there's there was some real substance there. Yeah, well, uh, I think a lot the other the other thing we try and do is sort of hope that people connect with sort of our experience. It's not like a selfish thing, writing a song. It's just sort of like you're hoping other people. Uh, share it with you sort of thing so I suppose that also goes into our goal of like having it as a you want you want to listen to it with mates around your mates just feeling good all the time like maybe it's probably best scenario I'm thinking like a Sunday Sunday Arvo beers by the pool or by the beach or yeah just not really stressing about anything that's probably the proper location we're thinking do, do you find I mean do, do you write music yourself do you write the, any of the lyrics or yeah, so Alex and I share it. Um, I, I did a fair bit of, like, most of this sort of start, and then we got uh, a lot more collaborative. But, yeah, so it's pretty much, we're pretty much half-half, some of it together. But yeah, so write a fair bit. Do you find yeah. that love and heartbreak, the two contrasting emotions, are the two most creatively energising? Unfortunately, that definitely. Like, you, you kind of need that heartbreak to write really good songs, sort of thing. But um, and then yeah, the contrasting like when you're in that sort of infatuation stage or whatever, and then bang, when it changes quick, that's like there's so many emotions flying. Music's just like a great vent for all of that. Um, you just get all your all those thoughts out that you probably wouldn't say out loud. But yeah, it's just like they are the two big emotions that um, you know, come out with the music. Yeah, I dig it. Now we. As a nation, awoke this morning to the news that uh, young American rapper by the name of Triple X Tentacion um, mm. was shot dead in a car park. Is this why you don't play gigs in Logan? That could be, yeah. Especially after um, our gear was stolen, you know, in a semi dodgy area. Um, so that's probably why we stay away from Logan. But, you know, wouldn't mind. You know, I don't know if you've seen Blues Brothers, but when they play behind, like, the chicken wire and they're throwing the bottles, if that yes. kind of set up there, <laughs> I, I'd do it. I'd say yes. Yes, I, I kind of agree. In some in some ways, people say it's very unique that Brisbane has this cultural epicentre that is Fortitude Valley and all the yeah. bands go there. Um, but in, in a way, it's sort of like, well, Brisbane and, and Greater Brisbane, such a massive area... Why can't we have decent bands playing, say, in, in, in you know, Marumba Downs Tavern? Yeah, I actually don't know, yeah. There's another thing um, with the... At Rubensfield, they're playing all these regional pubs, which is cool, that probably didn't get um, as many live acts as those, just the, the big epicenters and stuff. So it felt good to do that because they were giving back to those small towns that probably don't see as much live music as they oh, do Oh, and, and I'll tell you what, they give back... Um, in, 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 in other ways too I'm talking dollar signs I'm talking Slim Dusty knew this Slim Dusty um, they, they oh, yeah. call this the Slim Dusty special you just 
go around from country town to country town where no one else goes right, you corner the market. I'm saying if you go out to the gums, you know, west of Tara in rural Queensland, right, when's the last time a band went there? Um, you know, you play Tara, all of a sudden, every punter in Tara, all 25 of them, they're going to go on iTunes and buy your music. True. The Slim Dusty Very special. Yeah. You think Slim Dusty was so famous because he had great music? No, he cornered the market in every rural centre. <laughs> yeah, wow. Absolutely he was. When he was at home, he was actually yeah. always um, on his on his iPad, uh, checking his bank account. Yeah. What, was the iPad invented back during that time? I don't know. Hey, I ask the questions, mate. Do you want to hear a famous Slim Dusty quote? I do. Money talks, baby. Money talks. <laughs> Love it. Yes. Well, now, look, you were signed by Ian Hogg's label. Airlock Records, Ian Hogg, yeah. Yeah, and now he's an ex-Powderfinger um, fellow and an absolute local hero. He is a local hero, yeah. Yeah, so he he picked us up from way back when we uh, recorded a song there from... Uh, we're trying to do that Unearthed High thing, and so we recorded there, But and for some reason, I think we went back there, and he sort of... He, I think he listens to all the music that goes through, and he somehow liked our, our style and signed us to his... ended up signing up us to his record, which is pretty exciting for us. Yes. Like, we just... We were over the moon. And, yeah, he's, he is, like, just a local legend. Um, he's great to work with. He's, like, a, just a bit of a musical genius when it comes to producing. Yes. And, um, and, he, yeah. and, he, and he part owns the, the Tivoli, which is my favourite music venue in Brisbane, outside of Black Bear Lodge on the 23rd of June. Yep. So what was that about, Tivoli? He, he part owns it, I believe. Oh, he part... Uh, yeah, I know that... Yeah, well, I, I know that... JC, the other Powderfinger, is a bassist. He owns the Clifford as well. Have I got this completely wrong? Potentially. <laughs> I, I don't know, yeah. I know that he owns Clifford. Oh, right. Well, anyway, look, it doesn't matter. Ian Hogg is still a local hero. He's my favourite yeah. Powderfinger member. People pay 70 oh. bucks to see Bernard Fanning sing and dance. I'll pay 20 <laughs> just to let Ian put a cigarette out of my eye. <laughs> yeah. Classic, but yeah, I would too. Thank you. <laughs> we have so much in common. Um, <laughs> now, uh, one final question, yeah. Jacob. Sure, fire away. Which I've always wanted to know. It's the 23rd of June. You're at Black Bear Lodge. Yep. Um, you, you're peeking through the curtain. Your gig is about to begin. Um, the place is full. Your, your mum and dad's there. There's that girl with braces who pr essentially stalks the band. Yeah. And, and you start playing the gig. The, the vibe's awesome. But then suddenly the entire crowd leaves. There's no one in the room. Oh. You're only two songs in. Do you finish the gig? Yeah. I reckon, because if you're playing for just the stake of playing, I guess, why, why pack up and leave yourself? And when someone is late to a party and then comes in, and then, but you're already packing up, and they're like, bro, what, what's the deal? Why? What? That is a seriously great attitude. Yeah, I suppose, I don't know. You just keep playing, give it your all. Because <laughs> I guess the best way to think of it is every gig, like, no matter how big or small, you just want to give it your best for whoever happens to be listening. Like, what if there's some cleaner in there 
or bartender. And then they go home and they're like, oh, gee, that was sick. That was not, everyone left, but I enjoyed it. <laughs> like, yep, got one fan. Uh, they had a good time. And then you've done something for them, I guess. But if a band plays in a forest and no one hears it, does the band play at all? Well, yes. <laughs> it's still playing, I guess. It is not being heard, which is pretty standard for Shag Rock in the early days. Just played <laughs> pretty empty rooms. Yeah, but not anymore. Um, you saw, you've sold out some, some gigs in the past, um, and no doubt this one on Saturday is going to be nothing short of an absolute bloody sweaty conglomeration yeah, on that old. Black Bear Lodge floor. Yep. Ho- yeah, hopefully right, hoping so. for a ripper crowd. Should be, should be awesome. So the new single, Double Life, it's dropping on Wednesday. Yep. Um, as soon as you wake up, no matter what time it is, <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's why I believe, as far as I know. And the gig? Yep, and then the gig. 23rd of June. 23rd of June, Black Bay Lodge. Doors at 8 or something. I don't know. Well, I'll be there, I'll be there at 8am <laughs> in a sleeping bag. <laughs> <laughs> well, some, some people have said I look like Ed Sheeran. That's what girls seem to do for him. So, you know. <laughs> well, all right. We're expecting just you with an acoustic guitar and a looper. Yeah. <laughs> Can't wait for it, mate. Okay. Well, thanks very much for coming on the show, mate. I very much appreciate thanks it. Thanks very much for having me. Anyway, so I, I continued watching the game. It was, it was quite dry entertainment, really. And the commentator, this British commentator, was having a bit of a hard time with the Korean names. They're all the, the names. There was a lot of you know the same sort of consonants involved, and he he, he kept muddling them up. And eventually, I think he just sort of ought, ought to have just uh, started saying, "Well, that's number twelve." That's number six, and I'll have a number ten with rice. I was talking to a friend at a birthday barbecue on Saturday, and um, and well, she uh, we were talking actually about wine, and we said the word decanter in a very legitimate sense, and she was triggered. She said, "A decanter of banter, uh, uh, you know, that's what when you think of decanters, you think of me, your old buddy." But um, it's sort of like you know when you when you hear the word say. If, if someone's watching MasterChef and they say, oh, George Columbaris, you think, mmm, Georgie hungry. Georgie hungry. Mmm, Georgie very hungry. Mmm. Like, that's what you think about when you when you hear the words George Columbaris. But then, um, it's like, it's like when you hear the word Keating or just maybe anything that rhymes with Keating, eating, meeting, um, you're triggered and you think of a, a possible duet between Paul Keating and Ronan Keating. Mr. Speaker, Mr. Speaker, in the last week we've had one of those rare philosophic outbursts from the opposition. And we had some remarks by the leader of the opposition and the member for Benelong at a philosophical level which couldn't have made the differences between the government and the opposition clearer than they did. I never learned respect at school. You'll never have said it. Without your kiss. Be the queen of Australia. Just a now, I'm open and wish. The Pacific area. That girl I'm forgiven. I should never have said. As Europe joined the common market. That was Hockey Dad there with Disappoint Me. This is what I said when my room, uh, my roommate said that he didn't like Hockey Dad. I said, you... <laughs> ing... <laughs> Mangosteen... 
Um, fantastic track there. Now, I'm going to tell you a little story. Uh, this, this story begins uh, on Friday night and ends on Saturday morning. Um, basically, my mate Longy and I, we did a double slingshot on Fridays. This is unprecedented. We haven't seen this since the 1990s, guys. We we started off in the city, then we decided, oh, let's go see what's going on in the valley. We went to the valley and said, well, maybe something's changed in the city. So we went back to the city and then we said, oh, actually, the valley wasn't too bad. So we went back to the valley. This is unprecedented, guys. Um, but uh, on that second trip to the city, we were at Fridays and uh, basically we left, as most people do when they go to Fridays, and there was a fellow at the front um, who... I mean, if you've got uh, small children who are up way past their bedtime, um, put them away now. This this man was masturbating um, out the front of, of the bar, and um, he had his pants around his ankles. It was a rather cold night. Evidently, it was quite cold. Um, and his mates, they're going, ah, look, check it out, guys, our mates, um, masturbating. And basically... Um, you know, my mate, uh, the no, my most noble mate, uh, went up to him and said, "Look, put it, put it away." In no uncertain terms, said, "You know, put it away." And I think he used the word "dickhead" in there. And um, wanker was probably the more appropriate term, but maybe uh, after the fact, you know, it's a bit, bit witty or on the spot after a few lagers. But um, anyway, so uh, he has this friend. So the one of the friends who was going, "Check it out, guys!" Uh, LOL. Um, he gets really angry. Um, so. He 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 actually stands by his friend who's masturbating in public, and so he, he's standing by next to a person who's masturbating in public, and he doesn't have a problem with that. He finds that quite funny. But someone using the word "dickhead" is very offensive to him. Um, see, the the word "dick" has actually triggered him more than actually seeing one um, involuntarily. So um, he actually gets very angry. And and um, which is quite surprising because I would have thought that you know a request to say stop masturbating in public would have to be in at least the top one percent of most reasonable requests you could possibly make, and um, and so it, it's it's like it's like someone um, getting punched for saying hey mate stop throwing your poo around on the train you know you don't hear that but um basically this guy gets so angry and he says don't call him a dickhead he's a human. He's a human, a human who happened to be masturbating in public. But he, it was it was a very very bizarre thing. And this is my favourite part. He he said he's a human. Show him some respect. And when it comes to someone, say masturbating in public with their pants around their ankles, um, your knee jerk reaction isn't exactly to show them uh, some respect. But um, you know, are we meant to give him a fist bump? You know, give him a fist bump. Oh, sorry, mate. Other hand, please. Um, but uh, basically, a fight broke out. And, I, and I've learned a long time ago, um, one of the great lessons, and I'll pass it on to you for free, um, let people fight their own battles. You know, it's like everyone everyone knows Romeo and Juliet, mate. You don't want to be Mercutio. You do not want to be Mercutio. Um, actually, you don't want to be many people in that play. Yeah, you don't want to be anyone in that, especially not Mercutio, getting stabbed with a, uh, by by Romeo's enemy. You know, Mercutio should have just been chilling out, man. Mercutio could have got heaps of girls just chilling out with Romeo. But um, anyway, so a fight broke out and um, I was very proud of my friends. Actually, I walked when, when, the, when, it, when the dust settled and I said, come on, guys, we'll, we'll leave now. I looked back and the guy who started it all had a black eye. The guy who was, you know, masturbating in public was, you know, trying to get up with his pants around his ankles and his 
tripping over his own belt, and I, and I had a lot of pride, my friends, actually. Um, and um, but but I was thinking the next day, I was sort of like, if if people, you know, for the security at Fridays, if they sat down to watch the CCTV CCTV footage of what happened that night, they would see a man masturbating and then a big fight breaking out, and they must just look at that and go, this is just a zoo. This is just a zoo. And to be honest, it kind of is. Um, and then but, but this guy, right, who had the black eye, the guy who defended his mate and said, oh, he's a human, show him res- show him some respect. He's a human. Um, his, his mate's probably asking the next day, oh, what happened to your eye? And he would surely have said, you would not believe this. My mate was there, right, just masturbating, right, minding his own business, just masturbating in public, and this bloke walks up and tells him to stop. How disrespectful. Does he not realise that my mate is a human? Unbelievable scenes. Mostly sunny. Um, Now, time to cross over for some news and current affairs from our correspondent, me. Um, Now, you might have heard of the Brisbane... Well, more aptly, the Green Slopes Poo Bandit. Um, it's a talk of the village at the moment. In fact, it's put Brisbane on the map. More, it's put Green Slopes on the map. I always stir with pride when um, you know Brisbane gets a mention uh, in the national news, and especially Green Slopes. Um, I was actually watching. Uh, Have you been paying attention on um, on uh, Monday night? And it was great to see a, a question to do with Green Slopes and the Poo Bandit. Uh, Will Anderson was there. Um, Will Anderson. Show me that fella. I, 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 I know a guy who, a friend of mine, who just seriously hates Will Anderson. It's one of those things, sort of like when someone doesn't like coriander for no good reason. It's like coriander is delicious with Indian and Mexican food. It's been, what's the problem, mate? And that's how my my friend feels about Will Anderson. Just cannot stand him. And I, and I sort of understood that, actually, when on Monday night, because um, basically Will Anderson, there was an incident. Something happened and he was thrown off a plane. Not thrown, not midair, but like they said, you know, you're too drunk, or I, I forget, I, I forgot what the issue was. But basically, it was, a, it was, you know, dishonorably discharged from the plane, and um, a couple of the punters in the show made a joke about it, and he he was giving them donuts. He was just frowning and deliberately um, being a little bit obtuse. So um, I, I felt like calling up my friend and saying, I get it. Like I've seen the light. of... of um, I get it, Will Anderson. Maybe he's not so likable. Um, but look, there's. I feel like there's a dark underbelly of poo bandits in Brisbane. Perhaps there is some sort of underworld uh, community of, of poo bandits. Because I, I, in college, there was um, one of the wings was uh, called Martin, and in, in Martin Wing, there was a male poo bandit. Well, at least, well, he was never caught, so it could have been a female just using the male bathroom and. Um, that's one of the things that's actually really tough um, to come to terms with when when you when you grow up the the realization that maybe girls do poo. Um, I, I've managed to avoid coming to terms with that so far. But um, basically, the poo bandit in Martin House would he would never flush uh, he or she would never flush the toilet. They just leave the poo there. And these weren't no, any ordinary poos. These were quite substantial poos. These are the kind of poos that you'd take a photo of and send to your uh, cricket cricket team's you know, group chat. So um, I often, as soon as I saw this, this Green Slopes Poo Bandit news, like everyone was kind of shocked and they were like, wow, what would make a person do that? And I, I wasn't so shocked. Like I kind of like, I was like, I, I know that this sort of thing happens in the world today. And, and it actually made me think, where is that Martin Wing Poo Bandit? Um, like he's probably got a job now. Like no, no doubt he's finished uni. He's got a job somewhere. And like, maybe he does this at his work at his workplace too. Maybe there's like a level, 
level five poo bandit at his at his office, you know. Um, but I'll be very worried if he works for say like a sole practitioner, like a a sole uh, solicitor or something like that. There's just two people there, and his boss just comes in and goes, "Mate, you just left a really big poo in the toilet." And do you mind if I take a photo of it and send it to my cricket team group chat? Um, so I hope that's not happening. But um, yes, no, we got a text in from another one from Terry from Balimba. He says, what happened to innocent until proven guilty? Um, one photo of this green slopes poo bandit with his pants down. Yes, albeit holding toilet paper. But now everyone thinks he did it. Whatever happened to justice? I agree, Terry. Um I think we give this man a fair trial rather than this trial by Twitter, you know, just one photo with his pants around his ankles holding toilet paper. Um, I'm sure there's a perfectly reasonable explanation um, because, you know, the, one of the, the most unsettling things about this whole poo bandit um, ordeal is that the, in the photo, um, because the, the, you must understand, um, there, there were over 30 poos on this um, random apartment block uh, pathway over the period of the last year, right? And so when they finally um, hatched the plan to catch the poo bandit in action, catch him red-assed, as it were, um, the, in the photo, it's just chilling. He's got, he's got a, a face of complete calm. It's like someone taking a photo of a postman delivering mail. You go, oh, okay, I'll just, yeah, you're right. And apparently all he said was, hello. Apparently, apparently he just pulled up his pants, said, hello, and then left. Um, just chilling stuff. Um, but uh, speaking of like postman delivering things, I remember there was a uh, uh, Mar- Mario Balotelli. He's a great footballer, a great but troubled footballer, Italian. And uh, whenever he kicks a goal, he doesn't celebrate. He never celebrates kicking a goal. And one day, uh, one of the journalists, they asked him after the game, they said, Mario, Mr. Balotelli, why don't you celebrate goals? And he says, well, does a postman celebrate when he delivers the mail? It's my job to score goals, so I don't celebrate. And I thought, well, you know, if a postman, if, if when a postman delivers mail, it means he gets his, you know, 250,000 pounds per week contract renewed, you know, I think the postman would celebrate too. But um, I think uh, amidst all the, the backlash that the um, the poo bandit is, the Green Slopes poo bandit is rightly receiving, um, I think we need to spare a thought for the residents. Um, mate, the there's been no less than 30 poos. This is a this is a random poo attack. And and look, I'm not I'm not I'm not a psychologist. I'm not Dr. Phil. Um but I will say that I think I know what's going on here. This is a man who perhaps is uh, has gotten used to the mundane nine to five grind. You know, he wakes up at six, he drops the kids off at swimming lessons, he goes to work, he comes back at six, um, he he stirs the pasta. Um, you know, it, maybe everything's got a bit mundane, and he's gone. I need some excitement in my life. I need something. I, I want. I want um, the 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 rush. I want. I, want, I need. I need a rush. You know. Um, and what could give you more of a rush than uh, you know pooing in public and trying not to get caught? And this is obviously developed into quite an addiction, um, quite a thrill. It's obviously turned into uh, you know a feeling that he's been chasing. You know, I need that 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 thrill of pooing in public. And I can kind of understand that. Um, uh, where he's coming from there um, uh, not I can't relate too much don't worry guys don't worry residents of Green Slopes I'll tell you what would be, would be funny if they, if they locked up the Green Slopes poo bandit and they said thank god that's over and done with he can't hurt us now guys and they wake up the, the next morning just another poo that would just be 
um, a great uh, twist in the narrative? What if they got the wrong guy? What if there was a perfectly reasonable explanation? Um, anyway, but um, yeah, so I'm sure when they found the first poo, the number one of 30, there were, there were probably like three people gathered around it going, is that human? Do you reckon it's human poo? Or is it a, is it a giant possum? Like, oh, why not, someone, someone smell it. it mm, yeah, it tastes human. But, um, you know, uh, so, I mean, someone had to, all 30 of those poos, someone had to scoop them up and throw them over the neighbor's fence, you know, into the neighbor's yard. I mean, spare a thought for these for these residents. Um, in fact, it, that, that's always how um, I grew up uh, learning how to deal with dog poo. Because um, you don't want to put it in a plastic bag. It might slip and get in your hand. Just get that scoop down there. Don't try not to rip up the grass. Just give it a good flick. The, the best part is if you just don't look, you pretend like you don't know what you're doing. You feel like you're just flicking it behind behind you um, and, it's, and it's none of your business anymore. But it just goes straight over the neighbor's fence. Um, so where, where I grew up, behind us, it used to just be a bit of bushland. It was it was vacant. Um, it was terra nullius, as it were. And then one day they came in and they, they developed it into a housing estate. And um, it was quite sad, really. And uh, so I think it was our, us sticking it to the man by flicking the poo over the fence. And Dad loved it. Dad got uh, great kicks out of flicking the poo over the fence. Um, and uh, one, one day, one of the people from the housing estate uh, came and knocked quite aggressively on our door and our, our, our mum and dad answered the door and they said, hello, sir, what's going on? Um, you got, you've got something brown in your hair. But uh, basically he said, look, you guys need to tell your kids when your kids are, are you know, cleaning your, the dog poo, they're flicking over the fence. So just tell your kids to stop doing it. And dad was like, yes, I'll tell the kids. Um, but it, it, it's worth it's worth thinking Um there's a, there's obviously a homelessness problem in in big cities like Brisbane and Sydney, and everyone knows that public toilets get locked up about well no later than eight pm. Um, and if you're anything like me, you're, you're very partial to a post eight pm poo. And where do the homeless people do it? Well, in twenty words or less, if your handball rolls into the bushes in Cathedral Square, just buy a new one. Um, basically, it's time for one of our fans' favourite segments. It's time for a crazy thought of the week. Um, I've got a good one this week. Um, this is one I've been working on for a while. I've been um, sitting with my legs crossed in a chair, uh, pondering this one for quite some time, and I think I'm absolutely right. Like, I haven't run it by anyone yet, but I think I'm absolutely right about this one. Um, you might have gone on Facebook lately and you see people, they, they post a photo with like their partner, say their boyfriend or girlfriend, fiance or something like that. And um, it'll be like, oh, they're so sweet. They've just done this for me. Um, a great example is one I saw uh, maybe early on in the year. Um, th- th- there's a fellow um, who, I-, I mean, I went to, I played, played soccer with this guy, right? Like, like five years ago. Um, and uh, he's still on there on my Facebook. And he was at, at for a time that he was dating like this. She was, must have been like a you know an Instagram model or something. She was quite beautiful, and she'd obviously left him. And because um, he not not to judge a book by its cover, but he it seems like he's downgraded a little bit. And um, basically, at least seven times on Facebook, I've seen him post a photo with this girl in front of say a scenic background, and he'll say something uh, not too dissimilar from "What have you?" Scenery's not bad either. (laughs) 
Um, about seven times I've seen that one. And I look, I haven't talked to this guy in, in you know, almost, yeah, it's been well over five years, actually. And and I know all about his, his relationship, you know. He, he posted a photo in uh, January saying, oh, I love my girl. She's the best. Um, how'd she know that I love tennis so much? Two tickets to the Australian Open. Awesome. Love that chick. Um, this chick. LOL. Um, and um, and then I know that, that, that they spent Valentine's Day um, eating a dinner on uh, the Luna Park uh, Ferris wheel. Like, why do I need to know? Why does anyone need to know these things? Uh, this is why... Uh, this is where the, the, the crazy th- the thought is derived from. These people have something to prove. They want to show someone that they're happy, they've found someone who's awesome, perhaps even better than than their previous partner. They want to prove something to their partner. They, um, they've got a chip on their shoulder. The people who, do, who go to great lengths to show things, there's always a reason why they're, um, why, why they're doing it. Um, what, what are they trying to prove? And who are they trying to prove it to? Um, you know, because he, he probably wants his ex-girlfriend, the beautiful Instagram model, to see how happy he is. And he's got a girl who maybe isn't as attractive, but she's very thoughtful and knew he likes tennis. Um, and then, um, you know, so why? Why You have to think, let's go all look to film this guy. Why does he want her to know um, that, you know, he's, he's at the tennis? Sorry, can we get that theme? Judy, Judy, crazy thoughts still going. Thank you. Um... You know, why, why, why does he care? And so, you know, if he wants her to see, then he wants her to like him, right? He want, you know, and then if, if, if he wants her to like him, you know, she want, he wants her, the Instagram model, to want him back, right? And then so that effectively means that, you know, he wants to ditch his new girl for his old girl. He's still hung up on the old girl because he's trying to do things to prove something, to look good for the old girl. So if this sounds like uh, someone you know, or perhaps even yourself, if you've got a partner who, you know, you'll be sitting on the bus going, this is nice, actually, this is quite peaceful, having a good day, and they go, quick selfie, and they upload it saying, oh, boyfriend, oh, best boyfriend in the world, he knows how much I love public transport, oh, he got me a go-card for my birthday, oh, he's such a beautiful boyfriend, love heart, love you, and then then you comment, you did the first comment, you say, love you too, Um, you're the best, and then everyone collectively vomits on their keyboards we have to get all new keyboards because vomit stuck between the keys was you posted some disgusting picture of you and your partner um you know if that sounds like you maybe you need to just check if if your partner has once dated um an instagram model because this could be the problem this could be the heart of the problem um anyway that'll do judy thank you a voice without processing it just a great track from a to z I don't quite know what they mean there. Great track from A to Z. I assume A means the opening chord and Z means the, the final chord, chord Z. Uh, anyway, let's not get too hung up on that. And the fifth comment comes from Gary from Everton Park. My first ice house gig was actually a mistake. I was actually looking for an ice house. Nonetheless, brings back happy memories spending that summer stealing clothes off people's clothes lines and asking for bus money, in inverted commas, in the Brisbane CBD. Thanks, Ice House. But, um, no, it was a great visit, and I thought I might uh, replay that uh, for you now, but just for some pretext, um, corn flour um, was the original uh, ingredient in tortillas, the traditional ingredient for um, South American tortillas. And um, basically, 
uh, tortillas over time became, uh, you know, they became gluten-full rather than gluten-free. And so basically when modern China was founded in 1949, um, Chairman Mao said this, um, Zongguo Renmin Zankilai, which roughly translates to the Chinese people have stood up. And basically with the advent in 2018 of gluten-free tortillas, gluten intolerant people say Zongguo Renmin Zankalai. The gluten intolerant community of Brisbane stands up and we're going to eat tortillas again just like we always used to. And so without much further ado, here is our little, um, my little cameo um, in, in full here. And we're now joined as well by our buddy from a decanter of banter, Harry Ravalli. Yes, good pronunciation. It's French <laughs> and sophisticated. It's your yeah, esteemed no. colleague <laughs> at 4ZZZ. I know, we just love a good cross-show promotion. So we brought you in to do a fun little review. Yes, no. In the satchel I have here, this is something very close to my heart. Yes. What have <laughs> you brought in for us today? I once had a girlfriend and I do have a sister who have a uh, chronic debilitating um, gluten-free diets Ooh, and yes, and for no apparent reason they just don't eat gluten i also have a sister like that celiac if I you feel will you. Mm. she she moved home my parents were drastically overweight at the time <laughs> and um she came home turned their rice into cauliflower rice Ooh. apparently rice is pretty controversial is it yes i have a colleague not in portable said <laughs> my alternate <laughs> colleague right he says his kids don't like rice they don't like rice. Could you think of anything more neutral? <laughs> yeah. It's like not liking water. Yeah. It's like yeah. declaring yeah. war on Switzerland. <laughs> it's rice. It's nice. Anyway, so... I feel like I should throw in a little bit of context here. So we've just given yeah, you... Uh, we want to do a review segment and you've picked... Yeah. Gluten-free gluten tortillas. Yep. But wait there. So out of more. everything in the world, that this is number one. How are we going to go? We just threw the ball in Harry's court and he was like, I'm going to review tortillas. Yes. Yeah. Gluten-free tortillas. This is like a really boring, uh, ready, steady cook. I have in my bag... Got in a... He's got two, two packets. Gluten-free tortillas. Wow. But also gluten-free wraps. Ooh. So you're not necessarily Mexican-themed uh, wrap varieties here. So it just goes to show that even if you do have a chronic debilitating gluten-free diet... Yes. ...you can enjoy we a got range the of home cuisines. Brand I'm going to try these guys. And, okay. the, uh, and the nice... Mission brand. This is not home brand. I, I don't is want it? to plug major supermarket chains here. I'm not a big fan of duopolies. <laughs> but th this is Woolworth Select. This is top end stuff. But they keep nice. the prices low. Yes. They well, see, that's what you'd like to see. That's a little see. bit of promo there. Yeah. Yes, well, the, well but the way they do it, the white corn, made with corn, mm. not flour, right? So gluten free. So they go round to the corn farms, right? And they oh, rob the farmers. <laughs> the farmers wake up in the morning, they see a big Woolworths truck leaving, and the, and the crop's gone. They go, dang Fair. it. But that's yeah, a whole other right. issue. We're going we're gonna to base our votes on taste. Is it taste mm -hmm. only? Uh, no, actually, there's more to food than just taste. Okay. It's the how wholesome do you feel afterwards. <laughs> but um, we'll rip into these. Yes, eh? yep. please. All right, we'll start with the, the gluten-free tortillas. This is fantastic because I haven't had lunch. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Me neither. I'm, yeah, yep. I'm going to have to take lunch. Well, on your lunch break at the moment. Just right. come in in business attire. So just take one, pass it on. Oh. Okay, there thank you. Whole tortilla. Okay, they're incredibly they're dry. They're passed yes. around. Yeah, <laughs> they've got no <laughs> toppings got no in them. Spreads. It if actually you, tastes if like poop. If you poop. fold it, it's quite <laughs> it <breaks>. rubbery. Yeah, <laughs> it's rubbery. Okay, uh, so for the chewing, chewing sounds. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
This to is be like perfectly, a podcast. <laughs> it's truly disgusting. It honestly tastes <laughs> awful. Yeah. Yeah, you're definitely meant to microwave them. Would they have been in here? Are they meant to be crunchy? <laughs> you know what? Mm. We've broken all of the laws <laughs> of our on-air sit. And We're definitely um, not eating in the studio. Yeah. <laughs> We're not eating. No. It's mine. Look, this is actually is really special that you can have uh, gluten-free tortillas because originally, traditionally, in Mexico... Uh, tortillas were made with corn flour and corn and they were traditionally gluten free so gluten tolerant people came along they changed the tortilla they they priced gluten intolerant and celiac people out of the market and with mm. these gluten free tortillas that um, were selective come out with it's basically Brisbane celiac saying uh, zongguo renmin zankilai which of course which means <laughs> roughly translates to uh, the Chinese people have stood up. And today, Brisbane celiacs stand up and they there say, we take back our tortillas. Beautiful. When you, yes. mm. when you listen yeah. to Malcolm Turnbull, you learn some <laughs> I love that. Things. I just, mm. in the end, it's quite rubbery and I don't know. Thank mm. God I'm not gluten-free. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Too right. true. That's number one. Yeah. That's number one. Because you're just down in it. <laughs> yeah. I, I haven't finished yet. I think you should put, fold the whole thing up, put it I'll in I'll put that face. there. We'll come back to that one. Mm-hmm. This is the gluten-free wrap. This is from Mission. So, again, a Mission? little bit of context. We're reviewing gluten-free tortillas. Tortillas. Mm. <laughs> we're into the wraps now. Okay. It says in big letters, heat before using here. Mm. But when are going to do that? We're not going to do that. We don't um, have a microwave in what here. What happens if you don't heat them? Is there any adverse They taste items? like butt. No, but, <laughs> but as I said before, we're not talking about taste here. We're mm. talking about how wholesome do you feel afterwards. Mm. Do you, I, I, I only had a little bite of that one. Do you oh, not I feel, feel wholesome from the taste? Is that not linked? Well, think about this, right? They come up with all kinds of artificial flavours these days. They pump your candy full of them. But whoever feels great after eating candy or, say, Doritos yeah. with okay. MSG, you know, um, uh, no one. Mm. So it's like they, they've actually scientifically proven if you know where your food comes from, you enjoy it more. So if, if mum picks lettuce from her back garden and puts it in the salad, you'll enjoy that salad more than one of those ones you peel the plastic lid off. Have they actually proved that? Um, a friend told me that they scientifically proven it. Mm. Well, I haven't seen it firsthand, the, the, <laughs> the experiment. Yeah, I believe that. It makes sense, yeah. It makes I sense. I feel good after picking stuff from the garden and putting it in. Anecdotally, got some yeah. manual labour in there. <laughs> it's also scientifically proven if you run a cafe in a trendy area <laughs> and you say, mmm, sweet, fresh Roma tomato, even though that's just the cheapest tomato available at Coles, mm-hmm. um, you know, you enjoy it more because you know it's from Roma. <laughs> <laughs> I believe that, yeah. It's all in my head. It's, it's mind games. Mm. It's, what they're play- it's what duopolies are doing to us. <laughs> um, anyway, should we hook into some? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Love to. Got a little tangent um, right there. We've got second, uh, second gluten-free tortilla. Now a wrap. You got scissors? You got scissors in this? We don't. Keeping right. scissors on the show with you. Yep. Uh, no, no, I, I believe. Yep. There yeah, we go. There we go. Oh. Oh, take one pass on these. Look incredibly dry. This they is also ended up with the whole packets here. What do we got? We got a wrap. No, oh, no, this is oh, even dry. Oh, this tastes really bad. Sorry, Fold yeah. it. It breaks, Definitely yep. thicker than our previous. <laughs> oh, it's still no. This is really yeah. bad. This yeah. is. Are you even going for it? Yeah. Okay. We're all, <laughs> all chewing right this now. This tastes like grass, but you know without what? It's the not GR. as dry and flowery as the um the other one. You know what? I like it better. Mm. Not better, and that's saying something, though. Mm, mm. I think those other ones had a weird aftertaste. This mm-hmm. isn't people food. 
That's the <laughs> point here. We're, we're, we're on here to show the world, not just Southeast Queensland. Mm. We're here to show you that. Sorry. I'm going in for a second <laughs> bite. Sorry. So. <laughs> we're here to show the world that you can be gluten free and enjoy wraps and tortillas. Mm. I think as well as your families. Zhong Guo, Ren Min, Zaki Lai. <laughs> Today for Celiacs of Brisbane stand up. Mm. I, think, I think Mission have out trumped Woolworth Select. On my heart. Did you just say Trump mm. triggered? Oh. <laughs> um, no, they, they, I can just imagine these heated up and mm. how delicious they just mm-hmm. might be. Yeah. I'm actually not hating that. I'm still yeah. eating it. Right. No. no. I'm enjoying that. Thanks for lunch. No That's worries. good. <laughs> um, final review. Give us a recap. It's really what are dry. You thinking? I think this. I think the first one was drier. Mm-hmm. I think the second one had a weird aftertaste to it. It was a little bit like. Have you ever yeah. eaten raw broccoli before? No. No. But tastes it's like not a good idea. I went on a bit of a health kick, I think, circa 2014, and I, and I just wanted to get healthy. Mm. And I, I don't want to, you know, do jogs and stuff like that. I said, what's that, you know, something crazy I could do? Broccoli. Raw broccoli. And raw potatoes as well. And I got into a bit of apple cider vinegar. But Oh, mm. drinking it or putting it on your face? Uh, no, <laughs> just drinking it. Didn't go with the apple cider vinegar face mask <laughs> yet. And I emphasise yet. Um, but... Basically, I didn't actually look up how much apple cider vinegar you're meant to have. I was pouring myself a good old-fashioned pint of it, and you could smell my breath from down the street. <laughs> People knew when I was coming home, <laughs> even when I was in the bus going down Coronation Drive. True, yeah. It is pretty potent stuff, so I can imagine. Um, and what have you decided? One or two? I've almost forgotten. Bit, <laughs> going in Give for another final. bite. Yum! <laughs> the mission wraps. It's the mission wrap. It's the mission wrap. We're Yay. agreeing. Okay. okay. That's the review done. Yeah. It's the review done. First done. Oh. Here we go. Um, can but you, you pay give us for a little bit minutes. of a <laughs> <laughs> um, We'll just argue for the next or so. Yeah. You're very opinionated about yep. gluten-free foods. <laughs> yeah. Just quickly, before we do say goodbye, give us a little spiel about your own show. When pe- can people hear you on the 4ZZZ airwaves? Ooh. Uh, I'm going to make this cross-promotion extra shameless. It's <laughs> yep. a decanter of banter. It's South East Queensland's most controversial 12 to 2 a.m. radio show, uh, presumably. presumably? Um, <laughs> I, I haven't listened to many 12 to 2 a.m. radio shows, and mm. if there is another one, well, surely mine's the most controversial for Wednesdays. Mm. Um, and but we, we used to be on uh, Tuesday mornings, 4 till 5. So it's, it's Wednesday morning, but essentially Tuesday night. Essentially Tuesday night. Like okay, you, yep. like It's when you go to bed on mm. Tuesday night at mm-hmm. 2, yep. or you wake up on Wednesday morning at 12. Oh, there you go. Depends how early, mm. early right. Mm-hmm. The Spanish have a saying, God favours he, and I'm, they were a bit patriarchal back then, so I'm afraid there's no gender-neutral translation, but God favours he who uh, gets up at sunrise. Oh, do they? Can you say it in Spanish? Uh, the word madrugada is in there. Is it, this is Spanish <laughs> word of the day for your show? Madrugada, mm-hmm. sunrise. Can you think of a more beautiful word than that? No. no. Primavera, <laughs> the word for spring. Uh, we're just loving it. Just keep going. Spanish if, all the way. If a Spanish yeah. guy shows up at your party, <laughs> he will steal your girl. Like he will steal. <laughs>